All right, beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. That's Diana Ross many years ago. Where did our love go? Diana Ross was a superstar. She was with Supremes. She was by herself. Motown in Detroit, Michigan. A lot of history there. All right, at the end of the show, we're going to play in tribute to Robert Kennedy, who died, who was assassinated a little over 50 years ago, and to John Lennon, who was gunned down in New York City. We're going to play what I think is John Lennon's best song, Imagine. We played it at the beginning of the last week, but we're going to play it hopefully a little longer, depending on the time. Hi, I'm Bobby Elias. This is Let's Create a Better World. And today is Wednesday, June the 13th, 2018. And every Friday we're on at 5 o'clock Eastern Time, 2 o'clock Pacific Time. Our, our guest today will be Dr. Christine Horner, been on before, all-around great doctor. She's going to speak about potentially life-threatening health conditions. So we're looking forward to that, and there's some really good information on that. So hang in for that. Also, the next two weeks, here's what we have lined up. Um, Wednesday, June the 20th, Heavy Metals, great guest with myself. Then on Wednesday, the 27th of June, a potential new co-host will be on with me. She's a great nutritionist, researcher. Tune in for that show. That's Sylvia Ortiz. All right. Um, Let's get to our introduction in our show today, which is Dr. Christine Horner. She's going to talk about potential life-threatening health conditions. She is a formerly um, surgeon plastic surgeon. She is nationally known, award-winning author, researcher, and she's really big on new and some of the old, old ways of, of health. And she's got so much information. So welcome to the show, Dr. Christine. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be back with you. My, my, my pleasure too. And you know, what I like about you is I can sit back because a lot of times I We'll ask a lot of questions and jump in and, and make get my, my take. But with you, you've got so much good information that we let you do a lot of it by yourself. And I'll just jump in every and then to let people know who you are and just a few things. But um, anyway, I'm so happy to have you. Now, there are five potential life-threatening health conditions. I do know the two of them are high blood pressure. Another one is diabetes. There are three more. But take your time and let's get that whole thing of life-threatening conditions. Sure. So, um, you know, uh, a lot of times people have absolutely no symptoms, so they think that they're fine and they don't really need to go to their doctor for checkups and so forth. But as it turns out, um, there's a lot of different conditions where um, you have absolutely no symptoms at all and you would have no idea. So um, what I'm going to talk about today, there's just uh, five of them. There's obviously more than that, but kind of five and, and ones that really are top killers of uh, people in this country. And as you mentioned, uh, high blood pressure. Um, also, uh, and it, there's the sexually transmitted disease uh, called HPV, which can cause uh, cervical cancer. Uh, pancreatic cancer is the third one. Uh, diabetes, um, as you mentioned. And then also sleep apnea. So 
you know, if we uh, start with um, hypertension or high blood pressure, um, I mean, most everyone has heard of this. It's even called the silent killer because um, normally people really don't have any symptoms with it until it becomes, you know, completely out of control. And uh, last year, the American Heart Association actually dropped their uh, guidelines as far as the blood pressure is concerned. So, you know, forever it was, if you had a blood pressure that was 140 over 90, that's what was considered to be hypertensive. And now, as of last year, they're saying it's 130 over 80. So mm. um, because of that, um, they, they're actually estimating that 50% of Americans, I mean, to me it's an like astounding number, 50% of Americans have high blood pressure, and 50% of those people have no idea that they have it. And the danger is, is that if you have high blood pressure, it really significantly increases your risk of developing a heart attack, a stroke, or having kidney disease. And guess what? You know, heart attacks and strokes are kind of in combination, you know, the number one killers of Americans. So keeping your blood pressure in a uh, kind of normal range is extremely important for lowering your risk. And, again, most people, you know, they don't have any symptoms with it, so a lot of times people do not go and do annual visits with their doctor. But, I mean, that's a really important thing is to get your blood pressure checked um, at least once a year, I mean, starting when you're maybe 40 or something like that. Um, and you can even go into, like, drug stores. You know, they've got uh, blood pressure cuffs there. Um, and if you find that your blood pressure is elevated, uh, I think it's a really good idea to get your own blood pressure cuff that you have at home. And they're really inexpensive. I mean, I got one from Amazon.com for $20. So um, wow. it's just a great way to yeah, monitor your blood pressure and, and, and see what's going on. So, um, you know, the main things, everything that we're going to talk about today, you know, is pretty much diet and lifestyle related, as is almost everything you know, that affects us. Right, as as, exactly. Yeah, chronic illnesses and so forth. So, you know, the things that really increase your risk of heart disease are, you know, being overweight, not exercising, drinking excessive amounts of alcohol, smoking, eating processed foods that are, you know, high in salt and sugar. Um, there's a certain amount of people that have a genetic form, but mostly, as I said, it's a, you know, a diet and lifestyle disease. And then stress is something that we know plays a really significant role in virtually every chronic disease. In fact, the National Institutes of Health have said that 90% of all illnesses, whether they're mental or physical, that stress plays a significant role. So, um, what we what we know, you know, for for high blood pressure, and you can kind of think about it too. If somebody's you know stressed out or upset or whatever, I mean, they get red in the face, and that's because their you know blood pressure has gone up. And so, um, thousands of years ago, we had these uh, holistic systems of medicine, which are still practiced today. Uh, main ones, um, Ayurveda, the traditional system of medicine from India and then also traditional Chinese medicine. And those are 
both considered to be about 5,000 years old. And way back then, they realized that stress was something that really played a significant role in uh, causing disease. And so they created uh, what we call effective stress-reducing techniques. And these particular You know, techniques are actually, uh, their intention is to be practiced every day. And what they do is to train your nervous system to not be so reactive. So it doesn't cause as big of a, you know, reaction and and, uh, stress hormones, which if they stay elevated over time can be very damaging, you know, to the body. So um, Ayurveda... Uh, which is, you know, actually a form of, medi- of uh, medicine that I have done a lot of training in, um, is from India. Ayur means life and Veda means knowledge. So it literally means the knowledge of life. It's a very different system than our system, and it really teaches you about how to become and stay healthy naturally. And truly, this is not information that I learned when I was in my medical school training or, or, or residency. But... Um, they came up with the technique of doing meditation. And uh, the form of meditation that I practice is called Transcendental Meditation, which is actually part of Ayurveda. Um, It uh, was brought to the United States by Maharshi Mahesh Yogi back in the late 1950s and early 1960s. And most people have a lot of awareness about it because there was a lot of media. You know, when he came, he worked with celebrities like Mia Farrow and the Beatles and, and so forth. But this particular technique is this really simple kind of mental technique that's meant to be practiced 20 minutes twice a day. And um, Maharshi Mesh Yogi, believe it or not, uh, studied physics at a university in the United States. And so he realized that for people in the Western world to accept meditation, it was really important to do a lot of research on it, you know, because that's what we use to validate things. So there's actually been somewhere between five and 600 studies that have been done on transcendental meditation showing that it's the most effective technique in helping to alleviate anxiety and stress. And uh, there's an amazing study that was done in Canada decades ago, actually, where they found that people who practiced uh, transcendental meditation, and again, 20 minutes twice a day, uh, for five years, and they compared it to people that didn't practice transcendental meditation, but kind of matched it up as far as age and income and all the other kind of variables. And they found that the people who practiced transcendental meditation used the hospital system half as much as what um, the normal population did. And for every single diagnosis, including accidents and um, and the only thing it didn't it didn't uh, lower was pregnancy. <laughs> But, you know, like that was it. So, um, you know, here's this uh, simple technique that can really cut your risk of every single chronic disease in half, uh, kind of across the board. They found that it is exceptionally effective for high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease, and it will actually lower the risk of these uh, by 87%. So, I mean, just pretty astounding. Now, um, when it comes to uh, stress and emotions and everything, we also know the people that have cardiovascular disease, that anger in particular, so having emotions of 
you know, frustration and anger and so forth really increase uh, the risk of it. And the opposite of that is if you really focus on gratitude, it really lowers it. So Mm. you can lower your risk of cardiovascular disease by doing something as simple as focusing on gratitude. And um, like I went to Amazon.com and they have all these pre-printed little cards on there that are kind of uplifting thoughts and gratitude thoughts. And it's like, okay, well, you could just throw those into a little bowl in your house. And every morning when you wake up, if you pull one of those and read it, um, you know, the research shows that it actually makes this big difference on how your day goes and what your blood pressure is. Right. Pretty simple. Yeah. So did you want to ask me anything about, um, you know, heart disease? Yes, I do. Let me just uh, let our listeners know that we're talking with Dr. Christine Horner, and she was on this show March or late February. I don't have the exact, exact date, I'm sorry to say, but... We're trying to get her on every three or four months because she's got so much information and really researched a lot. But Dr. Horner was a plastic surgeon who saw the, what she didn't like about some of the things going on in that thing, an MD, and she really studied, got the research, and became more of a holistic doctor. And she's doing that now, and she studied a lot of ancient remedies, such as from China and India, she just said. So, um, yeah, I want to ask you about heart disease. Um high blood pressure. Here's a question that some of the people ask me, and, and I give them an answer, but I want to hear your answer. Heart disease and strokes. We know that those are the two, especially heart disease, I think it's number one killer in this country. Mm-hmm. What is the diff- how, how do someone, what is the difference between those two? Just get into that just a little, if you could, please. So, I mean, they're similar. So what happens, um, there's a couple of different kinds of reasons why you would get a heart attack and, or a stroke. So the most common is, um, you know, a kind of a diet and lifestyle related thing, like I said, being overweight, not exercising, drinking, smoking, eating, you know, processed foods, being stressed out. Um, and so what happens is they found that um, all these things cause inflammation in the body. It's not, we used to think it was cholesterol was the, you know, big culprit. And now all these cardiovascular surgeons and cardiologists are talking about the great cholesterol myth, which was the name of a book uh, that one of them wrote, um, where it actually has more to do with inflammation. And so all these things that kind of stress us out and, um, you know, the processed foods, all those things, increase inflammation, which increases the risk of virtually every kind of chronic disease. But they find that when you have that inflammation going on, it actually inflames the inside of your blood vessels. And so then um, there's damage to the blood vessels. And when that happens and you start to get clotting factors that hook on there, and, and that's when cholesterol, you know, you know, comes in too. But you get plaque formation that can actually cause blockages in these vessels. And so that can be uh, kind of the, the way that both heart attacks, you know, when it blocks off completely, you know, heart attack or, or a stroke. Now, there's other types, you know, too, which call embolisms. And that's when something like a clot can break off. So if you have like a clot that's in your heart, it can break off and, you know, and, um, you know, go into your lungs and cause a pulmonary embolus. If you have, you know, clots in other areas of your body, they could potentially, like, go through your, um, 
you know, carotid arteries and cause a stroke and, you know, the, right. uh, and then there's spasms that can occur too, even though you don't have any blockages. So we found, you know, a whole subgroup of people that can have heart attacks and, and uh, so forth from, from that happening. So, um, you know, again, it just kind of all comes down to the same thing. You know, whenever we do the healthy diet and lifestyle, it really pretty much lowers your risk of any kind of thing you could possibly imagine. So, um, uh, you know, that's why the many reasons why it's so important to, you know, really pay attention to your health and take good care of your body because it really does make a tremendous difference in, in uh, you know, your health. Yeah. Great, great, beautiful. All right, um, Dr. Christina Horner is on the line with us here at Let's Create a Better World. And now we have four other subjects for Dr. Um, Horner, and that would be HPV, which is a sexually transmitted disease, pancreatic yeah. cancer. And let me just give these, and then you can go on. Okay. And because of time limits, though, if you could hit each of these four or five minutes, because mm-hmm. I, at the end, I, I have something else I want to talk to you about at the end. Okay. Uh, diabetes. Diabetes is number four, and number five is sleep apnea. But at the end, I want to talk to you about the major changes going on in the health world, how all of a sudden, because health energy, which you know about, is, is covers a lot of great things like meditation, acupuncture, Chinese and India, Indian uh, um, ways of healing yourself are growing fast. We can, I want to talk about that at the end, so we leave a little time for that. Okay, if you cover sure. the, the, your four subjects that you haven't going to hit now for about four minutes each, something like that. If you could, please, go ahead. Sure. So, well, the next one is uh, the sexually transmitted disease called HPV, which stands for human papillomavirus. So nobody particularly likes talking about sexually transmitted diseases, but um, the reason that it's important to talk about HPV is because that's something that, you know, they've really linked to cervical cancer. So... HPV, turns out, is the most commonly transmitted, uh, sexually transmitted disease. Seventy percent of people who are sexually active will be exposed to it at some point in time. Now, the good news about this is that uh, if your immune system is nice and strong, um, then your immune system actually gets rid of it. 98% 98% of the time. I mean, it's like astounding, you know, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. if you're healthy, your immune system is nice and strong. If you get exposed to HPV, it, it just goes away, you know, on its own. So only 2% of people that are exposed to it will go on to develop a chronic HPV infection. If you get that chronic HPV infection, there is no effective Western treatment uh, for it. There's no antivirals or, you know, antibiotics or anything like that 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 work. And so because we know it increases your risk of cervical cancer, in fact, they find that in all the women that get cervical cancer, 99% of them have the presence of this virus, which is why they think the virus is kind of directly responsible Mm -hmm. for that. So in Western medicine, what they do is to do pap smears, which is great because by doing that, they can find the women that have this HPV infection and they can kind of monitor them. And if they start to develop any kind of abnormal cells, then they can treat it topically with certain chemicals or even, you know, do do surgery. Now, that has dropped the incidence of cervical cancer by 70%. So that's, you know, it's been extremely effective. But 
it is a drag, you know, to have to go in and get checked all the time and potentially have to have these topical chemicals and surgery and all that kind of stuff. So there's actually this really exciting research that uh, was done at the University of Texas Health Sciences. And what they did is they took this mushroom formula called AHCC. So, uh, yeah, letter A, then HCC. So it's actually been, it's from Japan, and it's been used in Japan for decades, and they've done many, many clinical trials on it, and they found that it is the most effective formula that's been tested in helping to support your immune system. So it really supports every you know, cell type in the immune system and makes it so much more effective that it actually lowers your risk of you know, many different kinds of cancers and, uh, and has lots of, you know, really positive effects. So they tested it, like I said, at the University of Texas Health Sciences against the HPV virus to see if it would be effective. And what they found in the laboratory is that it actually killed that virus. Then they tested it on women who had that chronic HPV infection. Again, no effective Western treatment, you know, that we have at this point in time. And they, uh, so what they discovered was that women who took AHCC for longer than six months, so like six months or longer, that the vast majority of them cleared that virus. And they followed them out, you know, for a longer period of time to find that it actually stayed away. So it wasn't like some temporary thing, you know, that it actually did eradicate that virus. So, you know, to me, it's like super exciting to know that we've got an effective natural treatment that does not have any terrible side effects to it, just, you know, side benefits that's, um, you know, super effective. And, you know, that vaccine... Um, that they're really pushing on our kids at very young ages because if you've ever been exposed to the HPV virus, um, you can't take that vaccine. And if you do, it actually makes your your health worse and increases, you know, the cervical lesions. So they're trying to push us into vaccinating our, you know, 11- and 12-year-old children. And, you know, in theory, it seems like that might be a good thing, but, you know, we really have to remember then, too, that this is not a common disease. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you're exposed to it, but it goes away 98% of the time. So you're only talking about 2% of people. The incidence of cervical cancer is pretty darn low. So it's not like this is a, you know, something that's uh, an epidemic, you know, in our society. And, and this, um, you know, vaccine that they use has got a lot of controversy over it. I mean, it seems like it's one of the most um, side effect ridden <laughs> vaccines yeah. as far as the reporting. And I mean, th- terrible things, including, you know, permanent neurological problems and death. It's like, okay, well, if I had a teenage daughter and they're trying to, you know, do the sons too, I think I'd right. use HCC, <laughs> you know, instead of you know, doing that vaccine. But anyway, you know, that's definitely something that's um, been shown to be extremely effective and is, to me, very, very exciting that we have that option now. Okay, you have the other ones, uh, the other subjects you have, you're going to cover now each for a few minutes. Go right ahead. Sure. So um, there's actually a couple different um, things that affect your pancreas. Um, that right. have no symptoms, too. <laughs> like HPV has no symptoms. But, yeah, so... Um, 
The first is pancreatic cancer. And, you know, we've heard of it because there's a number of celebrities that have, um, you know, died from it, including Patrick Swayze and, you know, Steve right. Jobs, you know, from Apple. And and when I was a surgeon, um, you know, a dozen years ago or so, um, when we, I, you know, we did surgery for people that had pancreatic cancer, if we caught it in a little bit earlier stages, and um, it wasn't very common, and, and we had no idea why people got it. We just thought it was a matter of bad luck. But over time, what we've discovered, as with everything else, is that um, there's a lot of diet and lifestyle-related uh, factors that can significantly increase your risk. And pancreatic cancer, uh, unlike a lot of the other cancers, that the incidence is kind of staying stable or maybe decreasing, it's actually increasing a lot, and they're expecting the incidence to increase by about 50% in the next you know, 10 to 15 years or so. It's considered one of the deadliest cancers, and uh, one of the reasons is that, you know, it has absolutely no symptoms until it's too late, basically. The pancreas um, is an organ that um, has all these cells in there that help to produce insulin, which is a hormone that helps to facilitate getting glucose into our cells. And it lies really deep, almost against your spine. So if you're trying to do a physical examination, for instance, you're not going to really feel it. The stomach, you know, is uh, in front of it. Um, and so um, doing any kind of screening test they have found isn't really effective either. I mean, you'd be looking at doing like CAT scans or MRIs or, and that kind of thing, but it wasn't shown to decrease the mortality of it, which is kind of the ultimate endpoint we look at, like why we would want to do uh, cancer screenings. So it turns out that, um, you know, it's really considered one of the deadliest forms, and if uh, the five-year survival is you know, and a common kind of indicator that we use. And so it's found that only 5% of people with pancreatic cancer will survive to the five-year point. I mean, so, you know, it's just super bad. So, again, right. you really want to do everything that you can to lower your risk of it. And the good news is is that we do now know that there's a lot of diet and lifestyle-related factors that um, you can, you know, help to lower your risk. And it's all the things, you know, we've talked about before. So being inactive, being overweight, smoking has a huge uh, relationship to it, being obese, having diabetes, which we'll talk about next, you know, increases your risk, eating a diet that high in fat and sugars and fried foods, um, drinking excessive amounts of alcohol, and they've actually found that people who, like alcoholics in particular, that have had um, episodes where they get an inflammation of the pancreas called pancreatitis. So if you've had multiple episodes of pancreatitis, it will significantly increase your risk of uh, developing pancreatic cancer. So to lower your risk, um, you know, all the healthy things that you do, which is also the topic of my latest book, Radiant Health, Ageless Beauty, uh, which is a, a guide about how to achieve extraordinary health and longevity. But basically, you reverse all the things that we know that increases your risk, and so that's decreasing your weight, stop smoking if you smoke, decrease the amount of alcohol that you consume, make sure you exercise, you know, eat a really healthy diet that's high in, you know, organically grown plants. Uh, interestingly, they found that um, people who drink uh, colas, so like the dark 
colored, you know, um, fizzy. (laughs) Some people don't know what those are, colas. Um, That there's something in them that has a a significant um, increased risk on pancreatic cancer. And, in fact, if you just drink two colas a day, or, uh, I'm sorry, a week, it statistically increases your risk of developing pancreatic cancer. You know, I hear people drinking... 12 a day or something, but just two a week is it, and it will significantly increase your risk. Yeah. So right. that's a poison. Do not put it into your body. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. Dr. let me just interrupt for a second. You know, sure. in some of the some big con- countries uh, north of, of Europe, and Norway and, and um, countries up there, Denmark and others, they won't will not allow Coca-Cola and I think other sodas in there because they're so bad. And yeah. they, they cause, they, they know that. They're, they're way ahead yeah. of us. And so let's get well, the other two subjects. Yeah, you can. like Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so the other, you know, thing that affects the pancreas that doesn't have any symptoms to begin with is diabetes. And right. everyone's heard of diabetes because, you know, it's really become an epidemic in our culture. And in fact, 25% or one-fourth of the population over the age of 65 in the United States will have diabetes. I mean, it's, it's, it's just crazy. So there's a couple different forms of diabetes. We call them diabetes type 1 and, and type 2, and, and they're um, kind of different as far as what causes them. So type 1, we think, is maybe from a bacteria or virus that causes damage to the uh, uh, pancreas, a lot of times it happens in young people. So we used to call it juvenile, you know, diabetes and then, you know, adult onset diabetes. But of course, because we're, uh, we have an obesity epidemic, we're now seeing, you know, type 2 diabetes that used to only happen in adults starting to happen in children. So type 1, again, is you know, caused maybe by a virus is what we're thinking that destroys the beta cells in the uh, pancreas that produces insulin. So these people don't produce insulin, and that's the thing, you know, the thing that you need to help to get the the, uh, glucose into the cells, and we use glucose, you know, for our energy and and so forth. So type 2 is very different from that. The beta cells are fine in the pancreas. The problem is, is that most people are overweight, consuming way too many calories, not exercising, and so it causes your blood sugar, you know, levels to be high all the time, and be, and then a reaction that your cells have is that be, they become resistant to insulin, um, and so that insulin resistance is something that causes insulin levels to go up and blood sugar levels to go up, and that's uh, type 2 diabetes. And that 90% of the type of diabetes in the United States is type 2 diabetes. It's completely related to diet and lifestyle. So that's the good news because if you reverse those things, so again, most of the people that have type 2 diabetes are overweight. If you are overweight, your risk of developing diabetes is five times higher. If you are obese, your incidence of diabetes is 60 times higher. So there's a you know, super strong, you know, relationship to that. So, um, you know, a lot of hospitals and all over the place have programs to help people with 
diabetes again because it's so ridiculously common and you know it's just teaching people how to eat correctly mostly plants again you know favoring vegetables and you know fruits and nuts and seeds and so forth reducing carbs exercising not smoking i mean all these things Um, just even a little bit of weight loss is something that can significantly improve um, your blood sugars and your diabetes and it's very common for people to be able to um, you know totally reverse it now there's some really interesting research on vitamin d and its relationship to diabetes so uh yeah vitamin d and diabetes start with that well actually vitamin d they've you know found works in our body more like a hormone rather than just like a vitamin and it's been found to be essential for every cell in our body to function normally and um and so when vitamin d levels are low and the estimate is that about 80% of Americans have low vitamin D levels, then there is a significant increased risk of developing many different kinds of diseases from, you know, breast cancer to mm-hmm. neurological problems like multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's disease. and and But there's also this very strong association to what your vitamin D levels are and your risk of developing diabetes. I mean, it's it's so astronomical. I was just like, couldn't even believe it when I was reading the research on this. So if you, kind of across the board, if you have low vitamin D levels, and we, we look at the... We look at these different numbers if you go into your doctor, you know, and get it checked, or there's actually a website you can go to called nutrientpower.org. It's a a really uh, cool 501c3 organization that's um, doing an international data collection study uh, at a couple different nutrients at this point. So they're looking at vitamin D as well as omega-3 fatty acids. And and then looking at the levels that people have and what the incidences of disease are so that we have a much clearer understanding of the relationship of these nutrients and, and the incidences of disease. And so if you go to NutrientPower.org, you can order a kit that comes to your house. It has instructions. Basically, you're pricking your finger and putting a little dot of blood on a piece of paper, sending it in, and they can let you know what your vitamin D levels are, as well as your omega-3 fatty acid uh, levels, too. So in the vitamin D, kind of the levels that we're looking for, the numbers are anything less than 30 is considered uh, low. Um, And then we have kind of a therapeutic range that ranges from above 30 up to like 60 or 70 is is kind of what we're looking for. So if we just look across the board of it, um, the the general statistic is is that if you are low uh, in vitamin D, then your risk of diabetes is um, 47% higher. Now, the amazing thing is is that there was a study that came out maybe about mm, a month ago or so where they uh, really looked at it more specifically, where it's like, okay, let's say that you're, you know, less than 30 or you're, you know, greater than 50, you know, kind of thing. And so they found that if you, um, if your levels are higher than 30, you can have a 66% reduction in diabetes. If it's higher than 50, you have an 80% reduction. 
I mean, to mm. me, this is kind of like astronomical, you know, to see what the link is between having low vitamin D levels and, and diabetes. So uh, to me, you know, every expert, including myself, um, we feel that taking supplemental vitamin D3 is extremely important for overall health. The level that used to be recommended was about 400 international units a day, uh, way too low. And now it's, um, we think it's about 2,000 international units a day, and other people might need a whole lot more than that. And that's why it's important to get your levels checked because everybody kind of metabolizes it differently, and you may need to take a lot more. I mean, some people need 5,000 or even more than that, you know, a day in order to get their uh, levels uh, to the appropriate amount. So, again, that's... You know, our, our pancreatic things, pancreatic cancer and, and diabetes. And then the final thing is um, sleep apnea. Now, this one we don't talk about that much. I mean, in the news and stuff, you don't hear about it that much. But, you know, we kind of think of this being a overweight or fat man <laughs> snoring disease. Right. Mm-hmm. And really what sleep apnea is, is beyond snoring. It's actually when you stop breathing for... Um, many seconds. And if you, you know, if you have someone you're in bed with who's observing you doing that, um, otherwise you would, you would have no idea, you know, again. And, and so sleep apnea, it turns out, is unbelievably common. And all the things that increase our risk of horrible health, being obese, drinking too much, I mean, of course, going to bed too late at night, eating too heavy a meal, you know, taking sleeping pills, these kinds of things, um, really increases your risk of this. And in men, there's a real tendency for them to be overweight. They say if your neck is greater than 15 and three-quarters inch, that really increases your risk. And and so if you stop breathing, I mean, the dangers of it is that it really increases your risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, you know, some of the things we right. just talked about. Now, in women, it's kind of interesting because um, a lot of times they don't snore if they have sleep apnea, and they may have only really vague symptoms like maybe morning headaches or um, daytime sleepiness, you know, that kind of thing. And so really the only way that it's um, really evaluated and diagnosed is to uh, go to a sleep lab and they have you stay there overnight and hook you up to all sorts of different monitors, you know, to see how your sleep is. And that's when they can document if you have sleep apnea and if you do, how severe it is. And depending on that, you know, there's various different recommendations that are giving. But, of course, always, you know, losing weight, improving your diet and lifestyle, exercising and, and so forth. But um, they also have this um, mask that they call a CPAP mask or CPAP, which is stands for continuous positive airway pressure, um, and so you, you know, wear that at night and it helps to keep your airways open. Um, otherwise, if it's not that severe, sometimes just uh, keeping your head elevated at night, like using a wedge, you know, kind of thing can be, you know, beneficial, and then, uh, you know, making the diet and lifestyle changes can be uh, mm-hmm. very beneficial as well. Great, great. Um, we've only got so many minutes left here, Dr. Horner. I want to let our listeners know this is Dr. Christine Horner here with us on Let's Create a Better World. And this, the, this show will be on the archives tomorrow or at the latest Friday. So you want to hear this because you want to tell your friends that there are five potential life-threatening health conditions, which she so well 
expressed and gave us the information on. And then um, you, we want to have you on again in September. I will be speaking to your office there. Maybe we can get into more like um, these various research that you do about Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, Indian um, Indian medicine of, of different kinds. And the fact is that the word is getting bigger and bigger, energy medicine. We've been talking about that a little bit on the show, but over the next few weeks, including your, if you're on again with us in September, maybe even late August, energy medicine is so, so important. Meditation, Reiki, so many things, uh, different uh, Chinese and, 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 as you know, Indian remedies. Because the old way, and that's what I want to speak to you about, two things. One is the old way of... of um, Medicine. Medicine is going out the door little by little because people are getting tired of it. They're not getting seniors are given so many different drugs that are just cause so many effects. And Medicare, Medi-Cal, they're they're way ancient. They're way behind. And more and more people are, are asking for new things. That's one thing. And they, along with that, the the health industry is exploding. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I went to a major trade show and uh, you've heard about it, the Natural Products West in Anaheim, California. Uh-huh. It was in March, and there were, listen to this, doctor, I don't know if you know this. I was there, we missed each other, huh? (laughs) Yeah, there were 3,500 plus vendors. There were, every day there was 100,000 people. There were eight different venues. There were three floors in the main main Anaheim Convention Center, and then they used the Honda Center, which for basketball. They used some other buildings that are nearby. They used two hotels, the Marriott and the... uh, uh, the other one, I forgot the name of it off my hand. But it was so, right, thank you. It was such a, a huge event, and it was it was so big. And, you know, Dr. Horner, 15 years ago, even 10, 12 years ago, they didn't use the word organic or health or vegan. vegan. They didn't use the word gluten-free, but now they use it. everybody's using it. Back then, I remember a lot of, I'd go up to, to a desk and she'd say, oh, this is natural. I said, well, there's no, you know, the word natural, as you know, is just a, a word that's used by people. But anyway, your thoughts on how health is exploding and how um, uh, just how how things are changing in, in the health world. Well, sure. So, um, you know, I worked as a plastic surgeon, and um, you know, my kind of my path with this was I, you know, did a lot of breast reconstructive surgery for women with breast cancer, and right. uh, so I was noticing my patients getting younger and younger, you know, that I was working on for breast cancer. And finally, when I uh, was did my first woman in her 20s, <laughs> I wow. was okay, something's wrong here. And then my own mom got breast cancer and promptly died from it about nine months later. So all of this stuff kind of converged on me, and I thought, all right, there's got to be something that women can do, you know, to lower the risk. So 20 years ago, you know, I was looking through the medical research, and at that time, it's like I had no idea what I was going to find because I thought, you know, pharmaceutical companies sponsored all the research, and there was no conversation in our culture on natural health. So here Mm -hmm. I am 20 years ago going through the medical research, and literally I found thousands of studies 20 years ago showing that you know, breast cancer is pretty much a diet and lifestyle disease, you know, and that right. 95% of the cases could be prevented just through diet and lifestyle. Well, guess what? I found out about everything else, too. And, I, you know, when I went through my medical training, I did not have a single course in nutrition. I mean, just sad. I didn't learn anything about health, really. It was about how to suppress disease. So, right. you know, um, 
then <laughs> I said, God, it, God had, uh, you know, plans for me there. I didn't know. Like right after I started my plastic surgery practice, suddenly I was <laughs> being pushed into the world of natural health. But um, so <clears throat> just during that time, too, I discovered the, you know, Ayurveda, you know, the natural system of medicine from India, which is 5,000 years old. And and right. so um, I had this experience where I went to um, Fairfield, Iowa, of all kind of bizarre places, and did something called Pancha Karma, which is uh, a detoxification program. Pancha means five, karma means actions uh, that Ayurveda created 5,000 years ago, understanding that people get toxins in their body. Back then, it was mostly due to being upset, you know, emotional upset, and eating, you know, not digesting your food well. I mean, obviously today it's, you know, a million times more with all the toxins and chemical toxins and stuff that we're exposed to. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, I went to this detoxification program, and I went for three days, and about 48 hours into it, I, you know, looked in the mirror, and I looked 10 years younger and never felt better in my life. I thought, oh, my God, <laughs> these people really know something. So that's when I really started studying Ayurveda, and the more I learned about it, the more I thought, oh, my God, there's the simplest things that you can do that just have a profound effect on the body, and doctors have no awareness you know, of this at all. And um, I really saw that this was something that could help to really transform the health of people across the world, you know, here in the U.S. So I actually um, pitched the television stations in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is where I was living at the time. I live in beautiful San Diego, California now. But um, So I pitched them to have me be their doctor to, uh, you know, on their newscast, doing a segment on complementary and alternative medicine. This is, uh, you know, back in the late 1990s and early 2000s, so basically 20 years ago before Dr. Oz. (laughs) And I was the first segment uh, in a newscast on complementary and alternative medicine in the country. And so when I did these topics, like nobody knew any of this stuff. And you could hardly find organic food. There wasn't any, you know, organic grocery stores, I mean, occasional health food stores and stuff that had some, you know, things here and there, but not full grocery stores. And, uh, you know, it was tough. And so uh, that's when I started, you know, in this, you know, in this industry, we'll say. And then here it is 20 years later. And to me, it's like everyone's heard of it now. Everybody has, you know, like when I do speaking engagements. I'm like, how many people have heard of Ayurveda? You know, back then, it'd be like one hand, if that, and now it's the whole room. So, I, you know, I think people really have um, a significant increased awareness about, um, you know, the importance of diet and lifestyle and health and a lot of natural health topics. I mean, acupuncture was something that was considered completely bizarre and foreign and all that kind of stuff. And now, you know, there's a million acupuncturists everywhere, you know, in schools everywhere. And so, uh, you know, it may seem like we don't have it integrated very well into our culture. And a lot of Western doctors, um, you know, definitely don't integrate it into their practice. But compared to 20 years ago, it's it's unbelievable, you know, how, how much we've come. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, that's really good. Um, we've only got a few minutes left, so I wanted you to tell 
our listeners about your books, the award-winning book you have, and a little bit about them, and also your contact information. But please say it slowly. We have people that um, would prefer here writing it down, and, and, and they, they're a little slow, yeah. so put for them. Yeah. Okay? Good. So uh, my first book, um, which came out in 2005, but it's actually I've done three editions uh, to it, so, and I added 150 pages, you know, with the last one because there's been such an explosion of research in this area. So that book has kind of an odd title. It's called Waking the Warrior mm-hmm. Goddess, and right. it's... Um, really about uh, the whole topic of the book is how to lower your risk of developing breast cancer if you have it to more successfully fight it. And the title really comes from Ayurveda. So, I fr- you know, I frameworked it in Ayurveda and then, uh, you know, based it, of course, on all the modern research that we have. But in Ayurveda, the whole intent of all of the recommendations is to bring your body into balance, which then enhances your own body's inner healing intelligence, which, you know, helps to keep you well. So to me, I was just personifying your inner healing intelligence as this, you know, warrior goddess. That book actually won a National Book Award for the best book in health medicine and nutrition the year that it came out. And like I said, it's in its third edition uh, now. And then my most recent book, which came out about a year and a half ago, is called Radiant Health, Ageless Beauty, and it's a program for creating extraordinary health and longevity. So rather than being focused on the disease is focused on health, and it's about how do you create health. And, and once again, I frameworked it in Ayurveda because I think it really helps people to understand how um, all the different elements that are uh, super important for health, um, where they fit in and how they work, and then uh, it's substantiated by all the modern research that we have. So it's not just diet and lifestyle, I'll say, there's a lot of other elements that are extremely important uh, for our health, and they, uh, emotions, as it turns out, is has the most influence on our health more than anything else. And of course, when I was in my medical training, we didn't think that there was any connection between the head and the, <laughs> the body, and, right. and, you know, maybe people who had peptic ulcer disease seemed a little stressed out, but that was it. So it turns out it's the most influential factor on our health. And uh, very specifically, um, the emotion of feeling loved and supported, that's the number one influencer on our health and longevity, number one. So, you know, to me it's like, okay, you can really focus on your food and your lifestyle, which is actually the easy part, and the emotional work is harder, but really, you know, cherishing and nurturing your relationships is the most important thing that you can do for your health. So, that's You're important. so right. We, we've got to finish up, so you can give your contact information. And sure. one more thing, though, I will call your office. I want to get you on in August or, or the month after September to talk about um, the ancient medicine, ancient ways in India, China, and the energy medicine is exploding right now. And we sure. want to get you on on those if it's okay. And so anyway, your contact information, please. Yeah, so the best way to get a hold of me is through my website, which is drchristinehorner.com. That's D-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-H-O-R-N-E-R.com. I have a free newsletter. I also do uh, telephone consultations, mostly for newly diagnosed breast cancer patients to help them with an integrative approach. But there's all sorts of articles and videos and, you know, tips there that, um, uh, you know, are really wonderful to help you with your health. 
Good. Okay. Well, listen, Dr. Horner, I, I love, you know, and by the way, next March, I want to meet you when, when we go, if I don't meet you sooner. Yeah. At, at, at that big uh, trade show. It's the biggest trade show in the world for health. Okay. Thanks so much for being with us. You were wonderful again. So much information. For our listeners, this will be on the archives either tomorrow or Friday. It will be on the online archives. We have two of them, and we have one phone archives. I'll give that information right now. Thank you so much, Dr. You were wonderful. Oh, you're so welcome. All right, great. That's wonderful. This is really lovely having her. Okay, so uh, let me finish up. I've only got a couple, two or three minutes here. Um, next week, um, heavy metals. And the week after that, more on health and energy medicine and all the things going on with juicing, with uh, lots of things, new things that are in health that you don't hear about as often. We're going to really get into that over the next two months. So here is the number to call. First of all, my number for more information on anything. I'm Bobby Elias from Let's Create a Better World. My phone number is 323-770-1925. The online archives is Progressive Radio Network. The phone number to call 24 hours a day to hear the previous five shows from, from our shows is 701-719-0994. Here, say thank you to everybody. First of all, thank you to Dr. Christine Horner for being on, and she'll be on again. Thank you to Jesse at Progressive Radio Network, to Alex, the engineer. Good job. You guys are keep, keep up the great work, and uh, this station is exploding and getting bigger and bigger and better. Um, also, thank you to um, Greg, who did a lot of work this past week, and also Lily. Uh, these are the production team we have here, Stuart and Lydia. And so, and finally, thank you. And we're going to go out with uh, the song uh, Imagine by John Lennon in, in honor of Robert Kennedy and John Lennon and all the great people that have been killed back in the 60s and up to date. Here we go. Thank you, Brent. We'll see you next Wednesday.